Welcome to our podcast. We are the Kinotomic, a movie podcast that bridges the cinema nostalgia of the golden age of Hollywood with the explosive modernity of contemporary cinema. I'm your host, Danny, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Nick. Hello. Thank you for joining us today for another conversation about some of our favorite films. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Kinotomic or drop us a line um, at kinotomic at gmail.com. Today we are doing comedy. We've done war yeah. last week, and we're just kind we of need to lighten up a bit, don't we? Yeah, lighten <laughs> up a bit. In anyway, um, let's start with what have you been watching, Nick? Um, so I've uh, I've got, I've got a f- currently have a have a friend over, and I've been chatting and saying, oh, you know, I made a reference to. Uh, Bo Burnham's Inside, and he didn't know the reference, so we watched Bo Burnham's Inside. Um, my third viewing of the film in in as many, well, about the last month or so. Um, yeah, honestly, uh, uh, third, I think I spoke about this before, but it's it's incredible, still is. Um, so I really hope other people watch it. Is it a comedy? Um, it is. It's a. It's a comedy special. So uh, Bo Burnham's a, a comedian, um, and it's about it's about eighty minutes long. This this special, and he basically recorded it through COVID, um, okay. basically to give him something to do. So it is, and also he's like, you know, he's like a few months younger than me. So everything he kind of touches on in his comedy and in in what he's talking about is very very relevant to. You know, people our age. Okay. Um. So yeah, no, and and I, th- I, th- you know, I think it's, you know, a lot, a lot of films that are mid-major and COVID, you know, kind of, have come across as though they're ex- almost exploiting the COVID pandemic. Um, yeah. But you know, you think about the the Michael Bay produced film, and there's a film done by Doug Lyman, which I think is the same one. But you know, what I mean, like they they kind of just seem as though they're they're just cashing in on it. Whereas this is different. This is clearly him as a comedian, stuck in quarantine, stuck in lockdown, just just you know, yeah. making something because he needs to do something. So I really I don't want to say anything more than that. Um, but if you, I really 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 recommend you give it a watch. It's on Netflix. Okay. Um, Have you seen stage? And then. Sorry? Have you seen Staged? Staged? No. It's... I definitely recommend it. It's very funny. Again, done in lockdown. Um, you've got David Tennant and uh, Michael Sheen. Ah, yeah. No, that, that I I did hear about that. Because um, obviously, you know, those those two together, you know, can't, can't, it's can't just, turn they, that down. Anyway. They're just adorable. Absolutely adorable. Cool. So yeah, cool. definitely recommend that. If if we're talking comedy during lockdown, I think that's quite top of the pile as well. I will give Inside um, a go at some point. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean the the, the songs are. I mean, Paper is very very good musically as well. So the songs he does are very very good, very catchy. Um, and I've been listening to the the soundtrack album quite a lot as well. So. Um, and then the other, the other thing I've been watching, I'm going to not tell you now because it's kind of relevant to the review we're going to be talking about later. So, okay. 
Um, yeah. So, what, what have you been? What have you been watching? Oh, so there's been new episodes of Grace and Frankie, which sort of I'm a big fan of, and it it was a very good excuse for me to binge on the show again. That's Lily Collins, isn't it? Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin's. Lily Collins. That's no, that is Emily in Paris. That is a very, very bad TV show. Got my lilies mixed up. Sorry. How dare you? Lily Tomlin is a goddess. Lily Collins got a lot of growing up to do. Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. And Jane Fonda is like my spirit animal. I absolutely adore her. Um, and Lily Tomlin as well. I've actually been, um, if you have seen the show, Lily Tomlin is like a hippie, pot smoking hippie grandma. And she's absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, it's as funny as it sounds. And she's just gorgeous. And she wears these amazing hats. And I actually think I'm going to buy one. I found a website that does hats quite similar to what she's wearing in the show. And I've just been like, I need to buy, I need to buy one of those hats. Just absolutely fabulous. So I've been watching that. And then it kind of taken me to watch something else by these two gorgeous ladies. So I watched All of Me. I think it's 1984 with um, Steve Martin. All right. And it's it's a really interesting. Uh, Lily Tomlin and Steve, Steve Martin. And Steve Martin is a sort of not very good lawyer. So he's tried being a lawyer for like 10 years and he's not very successful at it. So he's more of a clerk kind of thing and he's not been paid very well. And he's also doing part-time jazz singing. And he's more of a jazz singer than, than a lawyer. But then he gets hired to do the will of this really super rich woman who is very, who's been sickly all her life. And when he goes there, she's like, well, I'm going to give all my money to the stable man's daughter because once I die I have this I have this guru priest shaman person who's going to transfer my soul into her body and that's the premise of the show of the film okay um it's quite funny because there's as you know Steve Martin is very good physical comedian and I won't. I won't give any more away, but I definitely recommend you watch it because I think you're gonna like it. Okay, I'll, I'll add that to add that to the list. All of me. It's quite. I mean, it's old. It's a very old film. I'm sure. I'm quite surprised you've not seen it. Um, but it's it's very good. <laughs> it's it's, oh, it's yeah, very uh, funny. Directed by uh, directed by Carl Reiner. Um, yeah, I think who so. Also, who also who also did the jerk with uh, Steve Martin as well. Yeah. Which, if so, we're yeah. talking comedies, is, a, is an amazing comedy. So, but, give yeah. that a go. And um, okay. and because I've been going down the rabbit hole with Grace and Frankie, I had to watch some a film that I hadn't seen before. Um, the film that won Jane Fonda her first Oscar. I don't know if you know which film I'm referring to. Nope. Nope. Um, Clute. Oh, yes, I know. I have seen Clute. I hadn't seen it before and I was really keen on watching it because you've got a very young Jane Fonda. Well, not very young. She was actually around my age when she made it, but she was just still absolutely 
I mean, she looks young now, so. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really liked it. It was very good. It's one of the it's one of the three films that that uh, Alan J. Pakula did, um, which kind of on this kind of paranoia, um, conspiracy kind yeah. of feel to it. So it was that um, all, the all the president's men, men and uh, the parallax view. I've not um, seen parallax view. Um, I had seen which is the very president's good. men, and I really enjoyed yeah. it. Um, I think it's important. Yeah, it, I was gonna say like if you really like. Uh, Clute and all the president's main men. The parallax view is is as good as them, in my opinion. I was very uh, interested. What... I I found it quite interesting the way he filmed the action sequence, like the some. If you remember Clute, there's some attack scenes, there's some sort of violent scenes, but the way he filmed them, they're very very interestingly edited. Because you don't see much of violence in it, you see kind of. It's, it was a bit like Hitchcock and Psycho because you don't see much stabbing in Psycho. Yeah. But, but you see the cutting, so the cutting is quite interestingly done. And includes Alan J. Packler does that as well, so I thought that was quite interesting. And yeah, I mean, all, it's all the, quite neo-noirish, yeah, isn't it? Well, noirish. Yeah, I was, gonna, I, I was just going to touch on that. I mean, both, all three films, All Presents Men, Clute, and Parallax View, you know, was directed by Alan J. Pakula, but also the cinematographer was uh, Gordon Willis, who was the cinematographer for The Godfather, Godfather yeah. Part 2, yeah. Annie Hall, Manhattan, um, you know, he did a load of other uh, um, Woody Allen films, you know, and he's kind of the way he, he is like, he's, if you think about it, it's like the look of the 70s, so if you think yeah. about cinema in the 70s, the like Gordon, 70s. Yeah, Gordon Willis is there, I mean, you think about the work he did on, on The Godfather in particular, you know, it's astonishing. Um, so yeah, I mean, there are there are shots in, like I said, you know, all of his work that I've seen. Um, like I said, just to to, <laughs> to say that the parallax view is very good. The parallax view is also as good as those. And if you like the way kind of Clute looked as well, um, I reckon you'd 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 like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So that's kind of what I've been watching this week. Excellent. So, but just influenced by the influenced by Grace and Frankie. Um. Yes. So, I I I really like that show. It's very cleverly written. It's it's a good comedy. Um. I don't know if you know anything about it, but it it's it's about some seventy year old women coming to terms with their age, really. But it deals with some some sort of topics that you wouldn't normally think about in terms of growing old and i quite like that it gives um, people hope it for it's on netflix on netflix yeah okay and they've got they've had um season seven is the last season now and they've added some episodes which i think were added last week and i watched them and i kind of went back to the beginning because i wanted to do that um and they've got, you know, they've got Martin Sheen in it as well. Sam Masterston, um, Peter Gallagher, he's in it. Sam Elliott is in a couple of episodes, and he's absolutely amazing. I love him so much. <laughs> Just that voice and that moustache. No one. There's a scene where um, 
someone says he sees a picture of him and says um i only know 10 people who can pull off that mustache and he's nine of them yeah that's that's quite accurate isn't it? yeah he's like nine people being able to pull off that mustache anyway should we move on to our films of the day i think we should yeah excellent um, yeah <laughs> so should we, should we go with your one first let's do uh yes let's do it chronologically um so do you remember why we picked this film when we did i think i made a reference to this film uh i don't know if you remember and you didn't pick up on it and that's how i realized that you hadn't seen it so i'm like we have to do it we have to and here we are now you know I can't so, actually remember the reason why. I mean, were we talking? It might have been. Were we talking about Joe Pesci? Maybe. No, no, no. I mean, uh, we'll get to it in a minute. Um, okay, you you remember you remember why? I do um, know. I do know. No, I do know why. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, we start with 1992's My Cousin Vinny, directed by Jonathan Lynn, starring Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei. And here is a quick synopsis: Two New York. New Yorkers accused of murder in rural, rural Alabama while on their way back to college call in the help of one of their cousins, a loudmouth lawyer with no trial experience. What did you think of my cousin Vinny? Um, I'm, I'm just going to get... I'm, I'm not going to talk about the obvious first because the obvious is very obvious. Um, it's very, very good. Um, I mean, not just on a on a comedic level, but also on a on a just on a, a script writing pace payoff. I mean, it it just it's just really really good. What's the good. obvious? Um, I'm gonna get there in a minute. Um, okay. So the plot itself, I mean, it really introduced the characters. All of the characters were kind of done by in a case of showing not telling, which is one of my kind of peeves in movies is when they tell you keep telling you things and stop telling me this thing like show me it's better it's it's absolutely more organic it, and this is this is this is a very very good way of doing that um the film the film belongs to two people really one of them being joe pesci and i mean it's really weird not seeing him in this kind of sinister mafia or bad guy role it really really is weird i've i've not seen him i really don't think i've seen him in this kind of role before um and you know his kind of an aggressive personality has kind of just been pet tempered down and yeah. you know is is vinny is is vinny is uh, the, the initial initially is just kind of implied to be this idiot but i mean but it, he's, he's not, not really he's, he's no he's he's hard working and he's clearly you know got that you know, he's clearly worked hard to get to where he is. And then the other person is Marissa Tomei, who the film utterly, utterly is stolen by her. Um, she is absolutely goddess. bloody incredible. She absolutely is incredible. absolutely astonishing. I, I, it dawned on me quite quickly that every scene she was wearing something different. Yeah. Absolutely. That was one of my favourite little bits of the film, is that every scene that there was something different to what she was wearing. And it wasn't highlighted, it wasn't like mentioned, it was just, here is Marissa Tomei in another incredible outfit. 
Um, you know her her lines, her attitude. I mean, I, I can I can see why George Costanza wanted her so much from this film. <laughs> you know, she <laughs> and she yeah. So the film the film kind of belonged to her, and, and I think you know in the, going back to the whole payoff level. You know, at the start of the film when they show up in you know in Alabama, and you know she it's kind of the film kind of makes it makes I like the point where it makes Vinny to be out an idiot. It also makes makes Mona Lisa Vito to be uh, a bimbo, you know, just a arm candy kind of thing. But there is more under there under the surface than than meets the eye. And, and that scene, you know, the payoff to that is the scene in the courthouse where she is interviewed. Yeah. Um on record and uh, you know and I th- you know she won I think she she won the Oscar, didn't she? Best supporting actress for she this. She did. She did. Which I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure would be because of that entire sequence, that like, entire scene. You can just play that scene and be like, "This is Oscar-worthy performance right there," yep. and it is. Um, you know, it's not often you see see women kind of win those kind of roles. Women, I mean, uh, you know, not men, but women win those kind of roles from from comedic. Um, you know, usually it's for something like Judy Dench in Doubt or something. Um. Is it what? Judy Dench Doubt? Which is the one where Judy Dench was in for like five minutes and she won Shakespeare and Best Love. Supporting Actual Shakespeare and Love, there we go. Um yeah, Judy when she Dench was in the film for like thirty. She was never in doubt. She was always very sure of herself. Never in doubt. Yeah, well yeah. So uh, yeah, the film was very, very funny. There were very, very funny lines. There was a moment where it kind of you could kind of see its age. Um, that was the sequence where Vinny shows up in the in the prison for the first time um, to meet. Oh, I can't remember his bloody name. Stan, is it? Yeah, one um, of the you one of yeah, the yeah, and, and it's <laughs> and he has he has a very there's a very like kind of double entendre kind of comedy moment, and it's it is funny. But it's also very dated. You couldn't get you, away. Yeah, you couldn't yeah, really it is a bit dated now. now. But I think it was more. I think it for me rewatching it. There was a cringe moment, but at the same time, the the, the actual physical comedy was better than what what was implied. Yeah. So you have them. You have the the the, the younger guy cowering and going like, "Okay, okay." He was like, "Okay, he's gonna rape me." Um, it was that physical thing, like the how in, how com- uncomfortable he was. I think that was a bit better than what was the rest of like what was said. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think. Uh, so I. Yeah, no, I I was I liked the film a lot. I I, I did. I I enjoyed it, and um, you know, it, you know, my mate was watching it with me, and he just turned to me and said, "Oh, you know, I'm surprised I didn't watch this at like seven o'clock at night on Channel Five one night." You know, it's the kind of film that would be on Channel Five at seven o'clock at night. Um, we, you know, and um, yeah, it was really, really, really good. Really good. I was. You know, very, very impressed. I was very, very impressed with it. And, um, yeah, good choice. Good yeah. choice. Cool. So, yeah, I think I think you picked up on something there because I think this film is less of a sort of blockbuster cinema-going film. I think Roger Ebert, review, when he reviewed it, um, he said something like, 
quote, is a movie that me meanders along going nowhere in particular and then lightning strikes. It's a kind of movie, it's a kind of home video movie that um, not worth the trip to the theater, but slam it into the VCR and you get your rental's worth kind of thing. Um, personally, I, I really liked it and um, I thought it really worked really well. Um, I didn't know if it was going nowhere from the beginning. I, I've always kind of saw the narrative and I thought it was, you know, it was the classic fish out of water situation, isn't it? Where you go, they go to Alabama and they have no idea what grits is and they have no idea how, how to stand in court and how to, you know, and then the unexpected happens and they win the case, which is absolutely amazing. So... A few things about the production. The budget was estimated around 11 million and they've grossed around 65. So they've made quite a bit of a profit, I think. So I don't know if you remember, but the reason we actually had this on, have this on the podcast now was that I actually said, I texted you something and I said, Utes, and you were like, what? And you didn't get that I was making reference to my cousin Vinny when he says the two Utes. Uh, Do you remember? Okay. And then I sent you I the I, remember, I sent yeah. you a gif of Pesci going Utes. Sorry, what? And apparently the misunderstanding between Vincent Gabini and Ju Judge Haller regarding the two youths was a, was a, based on a real conversation between Joe Pesci and director Jonathan Lynn, who was English, and he couldn't understand what Pesci was going on about, and they thought it was quite funny, so they put it in the film. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, so director Jonathan Lynn is actually, he has a law degree and he insisted that the film's legal proceedings be quite realistic. Um, many, apparently, many attorneys and law officers have praised the film for accurate de depiction of like trial strategy and courtroom procedure, especially when presenting expert witnesses at trial. So like they sort of, climax of the film where they have the expert witnesses in, in uh, automobiles and apparently the film has been screened at some law schools to illustrate correct courtroom procedures and uh, yeah I thought that, could, that was quite interesting um, he was very very like a stickler to to detail although if you think about it when they have the hearing before they go to court they would they actually fast forward fast track that because from what i could tell it would take months before they actually have a court date and it's actually like in two three days he has time to prepare i don't know if you notice so that's a bit of a full power but the rest of it is quite accurate and there was a rumor that shortly after marissa tome won the oscar for this film they were, there was a rumor that he, she had won by mistake because uh, presenter Jack Palance had read out the wrong name. And if you remember in, what was it, 2017, the wrong name had yeah. actually been read out and it was rectified right there on the spot within two minutes. So, yeah, it was. Um, so actually that rumor was very much dispelled. Um, but I remember reading about it going like, oh yeah, she should, she she didn't win really she should have someone else should have won and i'm looking at the supporting roles and i'm thinking nope definitely should have won good 
um because she, she did a really really good job and i think sometimes i i, I re i found uh, clips of the films on youtube and i watched rewatched them like that biological clock scene is just always has me in stitches i don't know if you if you picked up on that yeah no i did yeah yeah i just love that absolutely and of course the reference of the two youths um so yeah i'm really glad that i i was quite sure that you you would like it because what's not to like really yeah i gotta say like i mean when you know when bruce mcgill shows up as the sheriff you know i i know i'm in safe hands <laughs> yeah, yeah um you know he's is is you know it was good to see him in 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 a film like this and you know it's bruce mcgill i mean he has perhaps one of the best scenes in the insider which is a film full of great scenes um yep. true so yeah i mean I, I was yeah i was really really quite impressed by the film i, I had a really good time watching it i don't um, know if you've uh did you see anything unusual during the film like a, a photo of someone that didn't belong there not the top of my head, no. No. Um, if you watch it again, there's at one point during uh, one of the preliminary hearings, there's a, a a door opens and in the next room, there's a picture of William Randolph Hearst, of all people, which I thought was really, really odd. Because why would he, what, what would a portrait of Randolph Hearst be hanging in a courtroom? But there it is. Maybe it was an Easter egg that the director put there just to mess with our minds. Huh. Yeah, I know. Really, really weird. But yeah, I'm um I'm glad that you liked it. And it it's one of my favourite courtroom comedies. I don't know if there's many courtroom comedies out there, but this is definitely one of my favourite. I think like if we kind of segue now the, the kind of the best way to kind of say it is like the, this film is is a real like I said like I said at the beginning of my kind of comments the way it's kind of scripted and the way it's kind of plotted it it, it just it just flows really naturally yeah. and there are payoffs and there are recurring jokes and and you know the the one of you know the waking up at five a.m. you know it is it gets funnier each time and and. You know the the thing to do with suit and him getting arrested again, and you know it's just yeah, it, it just it just there pays is a off. Pace, it, it, it is a good pacing of it, isn't it? Yeah, and each and each thing pace and each thing pays off really well, and you know that you know you know exactly what you're doing, what what's going on at what point, and it's never at any point is it does it feel as though scenes are there just to kind of exist. Everything is there. For a reason. To be there. Yeah. Um so if we're kind of segueing now <laughs> yeah. into the second film. Um so the second film we're discussing is Anchorman, The Legend of Rob Burgundy from 2004, directed by Adam McKay. So the synopsis is uh it's the nineteen seventies and San Diego super sexist Anchorman Ron Burgundy is the top dog in local TV, but that's all about to change when ambitious reporter Veronica Corningstone arrives as a new employee at his station. This film stars uh, Will Ferrell as the titular Ron Burgundy, Christina Applegate, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, Dave Koshner, uh, Fred Willard, it's great to see him, uh, Chris Parnell, Catherine Hahn, and then you got, you know, all the other kinds of actors show up in small roles. 
because it was the early 2000s before their kind of careers kind of kicked off. So I I suggested this would be the comedy to pair with it because you're saying, oh yeah, my cousin Vinny's the funniest film I've ever seen, and or the fun, the funniest film that I haven't seen, and I immediately went to Anchorman because in my head it's the the funniest film you hadn't seen. So Danny, what what did you think of Anchorman? Um. Okay. So I thought it was going to be much worse than it actually was. Okay. Um. So yeah, you can breathe a sigh, <laughs> breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. That's well, great... the reason okay. I thought it was going to be really bad because I read the synopsis and I'm like, why? Do, why am I? Why should I be interested in in this? You know, sexist prat. Um, and also, I'm not a big fan of Will Ferrell's at all. I think his type of comedy is a bit unsophisticated. There's a lot of whinging and whining and crying out loud, and I feel like he pushes it into absolute boredom at times there's a scene that goes on for too long not in not necessarily in this film but in general with with the films that he's in there's always a scene that or at least two scenes where he goes on for too long and he pushes the, the sort of comedy to absolute boredom um and i just didn't i don't think he's that good as a comedian so I was. This is one of the reasons I've avoided this film for so for so long. Um, so, for instance, the crying scene in the phone booth could have been a bit shorter. But Adam McKay has some sparks of genius here and there, and I think he's a good writer. I, for instance, enjoyed Vice. I don't think I've seen. I think I've seen Step Brothers, or at least part of Step Brothers, but I didn't enjoy it because I didn't. I don't. I don't know. I just didn't laugh. Um. But yeah, I I thought Vice was rather cleverly done, and you know it's got satire, and I like satire. Um. Now, it feels that most movies you should you suggest that you think are funny, or something have got some sort of animal cruelty in them and i definitely did not expect to see jack black kick a puppy up a bridge <laughs> yeah okay um i mean i know it wasn't a real puppy because jack black would never do such a thing would he would he nick no, no he wouldn't no of course he wouldn't okay, i saw yeah, i saw yeah. the outtakes and there was not a puppy it's, it was okay. it, it's a it's a it's a doll so i saw that um but I mean, that was a that was done with a purpose because I don't know. I've had conflicting feelings about it. So on the one hand, I really did not buy the Veronica Ron relationship. I just didn't think there was chemistry. And if I were as clever as Veronica was, because she was the only woman in the Sea of Men in the seventies, so she must have had you know balls of steel. Why would she fall for someone like Ron? There's no, no way in hell. Um, and also, I didn't think there was much chemistry between them two. I mean, I think Christina Applegate is is a good actress, but I just, I don't know. 
she was deadpan enough here to pull it off at times but sometimes i mean the whole idea of of them falling in love it was just a bit no not buying it sorry so that kind of pulled me out of the movie um steve carell was good i thought he was okay even though he didn't act, he didn't always act that he had an IQ of 49 or 45 or whatever that was or was supposed to be uh, i mean i know i'm i'm doing nitpicking now uh, but i it was i did enjoy it more than i thought i would uh, like i said before paul rudd was funny absolutely disgusting but funny um yeah, I don't know if I prefer in 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 a role like this, but he was okay. Like I said, I did have some chuckle moments. I mean, the crying scene in the phone booth was very boring, up until the moment he goes, "I'm in a glass case of emotion," which I I I quite laughed at that. That was quite funny. Um, and the gang scene. I know it was it was supposed to be part of the West Side Story, but it made me also think of Gangs of New York. Because I think in gangs in New York, you have like five, six, five, six, seven different gangs going from all directions. And that kind of made me think of that. And then you have, you know, you've got Tim, Tim Robbins with a really ridiculous wig on. And Ben Stiller shows up with a handlebar mustache and you're like, what the fuck? And well, like Luke Wilson is there and he loses his arms and it got a bit too silly um but yeah i enjoyed it it wasn't the it wasn't the funniest comedy but i i did enjoy it okay so that's actually really surprising to me um oh you have danny trejo as well and i like him yeah so i i was sat there watching this and i was like danny's gonna hate this <laughs> No, She's I didn't hate, hate it. it. I didn't hate it. Hate it. Um, I, I, I actually, I went in with an open mind, and I'm like, okay, it's gonna be a bit sexist. It's gonna have some dated jokes in it, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. So it was like I was sat there with this kind of frame of mind, thing, and because this is so confession time. I this is the first time I've seen this movie for just well over 10 years it's been a long time since i've seen this movie and in that time it's been a case of i would you know i would quote anchorman um you know random random quotes here and there and it would it would just be one of those movies that was just always you know you with my mates and my brother as well like we would always just it would just be one of those things you just quote anchorman and and I watched it. I watched it a few times when I was when it came after it came out. I think I saw it 2015, 2005. Sorry, so I was fifteen at the time. And it was like when I was fifteen, sixteen. This was the funniest film. Um, you know, this was the funniest, funniest film, and it was, you know, it, it was hilarious. And then I don't know what's kind of happened. So. The other movie I watched that I didn't say anything about earlier when what we've been watching was um this is Spinal Tap. Okay. And the thing with that is I hadn't seen that movie in quite a long time as well. Not the same, not as not as long as what I hadn't seen Anchorman. 
But when I was watching Spinal Tap, I still knew all the jokes and I still knew, you know, what was going to happen, all this kind of stuff. But I found it hilarious. I, I, I was joking. I was laughing with the jokes and I was on board with it as though it was like the first time I'd seen it. Or as if I was rewatching, uh, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, for example, or Airplane. And over the years, I kind of built this up, this expectation that Anchorman was one of those films. And watching it now, watching it recently, it's kind of dawned on me that it, maybe it's not. <laughs> um, I think it's got dated. It, it's not one of those perennial movies like This is Final Tap, which is always funny. Yeah, but I always thought I, because I mean this this film I mean this film always Anchorman always pops up on greatest comedies of the two thousands you know it's always up there you know for some reason you know Empire Magazine always you know like Anchorman was in its top five hundred films ever you know it was like number one hundred thirteen Ron Burgundy was number twenty six in the hundred greatest movie characters poll and. You know, I read Anchorman. I not I read Empire every month, and and because of that, I think it's just built up this expectation of what Anchorman is. And watching it this time, I knew the jokes before they were about to happen, much in the same way as in Spinal Tap. But unlike Spinal Tap, I was a bit like, ah, okay. The things I did find funny though was everything that Steve Carell did. <laughs> He was, um, yeah, I, the way he did, I think the, his delivery is very good because he's always like very deadpan, like he definitely is a retarded person. Yeah, I mean, it was Steve Carell's performance in this. I mean, it was more his, like I said, it was his timing, his tone of voice, and just the way he he knew, you know, you, you could tell the lines I mean, you could tell me that there's a whole freaking movie, for crying out loud, yeah. of outtakes and deleted scenes. There yeah. is literally a whole movie called Anchorman, The Lost the Lost Movie or something along those lines. And, you know, you can tell that the improvisation is, is at a really, really high standard. Yeah. I think and... that's, that's what, I think that's what made it top, like, close to top of the pile in all these rankings you mentioned in Empire Magazine and whatnot. Because yeah. you have these people who are very good at improvisation and you see it being done and they are actually, they're good. You can't say that they're not because they are. Um, and also I think what was, what was it that made it good at the time was that they sort of made fun of, of masculinity but I think we've been making fun of masculinity for quite some time now, and it's it's gotten old. Like I think toxic at the time masculinity. As well. I mean, it, it was the new thing to, was, to, to make fun of toxic masculinity. Yeah, I mean, this was this was. I mean, it wasn't directed by Apatow, but it was produced by Apatow. This was the first, one of the first Apatow comedies. Um, you know, his directorial debut was the following year in My Forty Year Old Virgin, and before Anchorman, before that film, we had American Pie. And all the films that came out of the American, but every every yeah. you know every Hollywood direct um, producer was like, we need to make our own American Pie, and we just had incessant films like that. And Apatow was a different kind of comedy coming in. And, you know, these were ex SNL um, performers. You know, uh, uh, yeah. um, 
Will Farrell be in XSNL? Adam McKay, you know, apparently worked on SNL a little bit. I think someone's going to probably correct me if I'm wrong. And you know, like that was that was it. You know, it was like they were coming out of that, and it was a new, it was a different kind of comedy coming out of coming out of the woodwork. And I think that's probably what I command made it so refreshing at the time is because you know it was so different to what was around at the time you yeah. know we heard, and then it was the apatow comedies kind of you know i wouldn't say they've fallen out of weight but you know i think the best one of those films produced by apatow which i don't actually know if it was produced by apatow but the the kind of film was um super bad um yeah. i don't know if you've seen that i've seen um, that came out in 07 yeah that came out in 07 and they're, they're the kind of films that are very sweet under the surface you know 40 year old virgin you know you get away from some of the the gross the gross out humor that's in there. There's a real sweetness underneath that. Anchorman it doesn't quite have that. It tries to, but it doesn't quite have yeah. that. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think I had yeah, like I said, I think I had a couple. Of, I had two or three chuckles, and um, it was some of the stuff was smart, and I think it came out of of the good improv improv that they they did and yeah steve carell was good but i don't know i wouldn't i, mean, I, I wouldn't really, rush I mean, to see it again and i would definitely not rush to see the second one i mean i haven't seen the second one okay i i haven't seen the second one i i just i i don't have i didn't rush to see it when it came out because it came out in like 2015 and like 2013 sorry and you know this we're talking what nine years after it came out i mean i was you know i was i wasn't really fussed with seeing an anchorman sequel in 2013 and i still aren't i'm still not um because you know my my humor is my the, the kind of stuff i find funny now is is different um especially when it comes to comedies that have been released in the studio you know i'd much rather watch hot rod again or pop star never stop never stopping uh, which we have to get on this podcast because they, I mean, those two films in particular are legit fucking good. Um, I think, you know, I, I was really quite surprised. I mean, apart from Steve Carell, I mean, yeah, Paul Rudd was really good. I thought the Fred Willard stuff was excellent. Anything Fred Willard was in with his, with his, his scenes, especially when he was, he was on the phone talking to the sister about his son. I don't know if you caught any of that. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, with with the with the uh, nun, and he goes like, "Yeah, the nun uh, talking uh, yeah, about pornography," and, and it's like, "Oh, we've all seen pornography, sister." Oh no, maybe not. No, I just heard about it. Something like, "Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, neither have I." No, I mean, oh. yeah, and he's and he's talking about his son, who's you know he's on acid, and he might fly for a pirate arrow into the crowd. You know, it's like, and he's got this very very Fred Willard's. You know, he's he was he's an good. excellent excellent comedic actor. Yeah, and um, you know, it was anything with him in, and I thought. I thought everything kind of around around Veronica and Ron was kind of better than what one was going thing on I with really, Veronica and Ron. What yeah. What I think one thing I really enjoyed um was Veronica's dresses and and Kat, um was it what was her name? Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. Um that black and white wrap dress, I actually looked online for it because I thought it was really cute. But that's the girl. That's the girl in, in in me, and I love fashion history. So the seventies were were a bit hit and miss, but some of them was good. Not the men, the girls. The men were like horrible. What's with the hair? I mean, I I would, 
I would like the robe that Ron was wearing. Um, the orange robe was it orange or light red? No, it was, it was like terrible. The white. Ta- I mean, I like. I kind of like that. But that was just my terrible fashion sense. Clearly, I love the waistcoat, um, three-piece suits that um, what's her name, Kristen Applegate was wearing. Um, yeah, I thought. Yeah, she looked very good yeah. in them. But yeah, I think. It was okay. I was I was actually quite looking forward to seeing the poor panda give birth, but I never got to see that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean a bit of bit of behind the scenes stuff. I mean there isn't much with this, but um originally it was developed with Will Ferrell and Adam McKay uh, to be this kind of film as um it was originally going to be oh, so there was going to be something called uh August Blowout, which was Glenn Glary Glenn Ross meets a car dealership. Um, the movie didn't actually get made. The script was quite popular in Hollywood, but the movie didn't get made. One of the people that did end up reading the, the, that script was uh, a certain director called Paul Thomas Anderson. Hmm. Um, and he kind of helped them out. I mean, originally, he was one of the producers on this film early on. Um, he then kind of... Will Ferrell was, you know, saw some stuff about 70s Anchorman and kind of was talking about how sexist they were and kind of wanted to do something with that. Um, and then a, an early version of the scripts um, was kind of like this parody of the disaster film Alive, um, but you know instead of instead of people, it's you know groups of news people, and you know they're kind of in a wilderness making their way back to civilization. Mm. And there was meant to be like this subplot with them trying to escape of orangutan orangutans with ninja stars, and it was just a bit weird. And there was like a, a a musical number with sharks as well, and that kind of that sounds Paul Thomas quite An- horrible. Paul Tom- yeah, so Paul Thomas Anderson was like it's too weird and too bizarre for him, and he left the production. And then he, you know, in retrospect, he kind of said, "Oh, you know, I I kind of blew that opportunity almost. Like I, maybe I should have stayed on." Um, but yeah, no, I, it's kind of. I mean, lots of the stuff were was improvised. Um, so much so that there was a whole other movie called Wake Up Ron Burgundy, the Lost Movie. Um, there was a whole subplot about the film, kind of centering around like these arm clock, alarm clock, bank robbers. Um, Amy Poehler was also had um, kind of a, a, a role in it as well, and she was cut out entirely. Of this movie, she's in this other movie that's you know the the straight to DVD kind of thing. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it was it was kind of weird watching it uh, after the, all these years. I mean, watching Spinal Tap was like I'm watching something great. I I this this was fantastic. You know, this is that was you know funny. I would. You know, Spinal Tap is is one of the great comedies of all time. You know, watching it watching it with my German housemate who hadn't seen or heard of it before was uh, very very what did funny he think because of it, it was just he loved it. Did I mean, he get it, it? It took him about yeah, it took him about five minutes before he asked me this. This didn't. This is fake, right? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a yeah, it is a fake mockumentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, because if you if like, you didn't know about it, you'd be like, hang on, what? What band is this? Yeah, who who is this? Um, you know, and it, it, whereas Anchorman, it was like I'm I'm watching something I haven't seen in a long time, but it, I'm just I'm just I wasn't on the same wavelength as I was when I was like you know 15 when I saw it when I saw it originally, and and I I don't know maybe 
maybe that's just maybe that's just me my own personal kind of um me watching the film rather than rather than the film itself maybe the empire magazine do have a point and do say you know it is rightfully one of the funniest films but maybe i'm just out of touch with it i don't know i don't know i mean i i enjoyed it ish i thought i was going to hate it but i didn't hate it so maybe there's something to that maybe there's something think, about the can't... improv and the graduates of of snl that yeah works yeah i but mean some, a lot I of mean, jokes that i yeah 60% of the time works every time. Yeah. So I mean what one one of my one of my favorite jokes in it and the scene which kind of dragged on way too long was the jazz flute scene. The way he's like yeah. he's doing his jazz flute solo and Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, he, "Oh, come on." I know. Yeah, okay, take, fine. I get it. Yeah. And he takes a big breath and he says "aqua lung." You know, that made me laugh as somebody who knows Jeffrey Tull. Um <laughs> you know, like I it's just there's little bits here and there in the film but overall i think i think we've just kind of met in the middle me and you i mean you you were going in with an open mind but almost expected to hate it i went in with an open mind but expected myself to love it and we've just kind of yeah maybe yeah. this film isn't as great as as or as bad as either of us think. yeah yeah that's um, true that, that that's true so I mean, next next time we do do a comedy, I know the end of the season we have got two comedies. Oh, we're finishing off the season with two comedies, yeah. but I mean, hoping that that's going to be a bit more of a a, a better experience for us both, really. Um, and you know, my cousin Vinny aside, you know, like I love that film so just, much. Yeah, I know. Really I I, I I yeah, and I I really wished when I came on today, and so I really really wished I came from a position of saying. I love Anchorman so much and I don't care what you say kind of thing. I really wish I was coming from that <laughs> position, but I'm not. And that's kind of taken me by surprise. That's interesting. It's interesting to to see that, to, to realise that maybe, yeah, it hasn't aged that all that well. And yeah, um, I'm of the opinion that we can't... I, I knew people who were like, I'm going to watch a movie or read a book once and then not do it again and i think as we grow older we become different people and we appreciate the same thing differently at different times in our lives which is why i think you you came and, and realized that maybe it wasn't all that funny that you thought when when you saw it like years ago i mean i dread to think what i'm gonna think of the american pie films if i was to watch them now because oh. i had i had this i had this i had this i had the the, the four film dvd box set and i'm not talking it wasn't it wasn't the american reunion it wasn't the fourth one that came out in like 2010 no i'm talking like american pie band camp you know one of the ones that oh. starred stifler's cousin you know and i had this four dvd box set and i watched them all the time the only you know, thing I, I like I, about american pie and i i think i've not seen it actually since since i graduated from my first uni which is ages and ages and ages ago i am that old um was the american pie 3 the wedding when they yeah. go to find the wedding designer in the gay bar and one of my favorite scenes in that is that the, the dance off that stifler does with the gay man i thought that was absolutely brilliant the music yeah. was incredible the choreography was incredible 
And you see that Stipper is quite open-minded about it, even though he goes on like, oh, gay, gay, gay. But I, I thought that was actually quite cool. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen that scene in a very long time, but it'd be interesting to see what I thought of it now. Yeah, that's what I mean. It'd be interesting to watch, like, you know, films like that, you know, the ones that I found hilarious. I mean, there was a thing on 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 um, on Letterboxd, one of the people I've watched, I follow on Letterboxd, you know, he put up a, a review of, of George of the Jungle, you know, the, the one starring Brendan Fraser. I had never seen and, that. I mean, so, yeah, this is, another, this is what I'm getting at, is that I saw it a lot when I was a kid, you know, and... You know, and it was like one of those films that we'd always used to watch, Daughter of the Jungle. And the, I hadn't seen, I haven't still haven't seen it, but I haven't re seen it. But the, the guy, what the guy put was, this was a favorite of mine as a kid. I now watch it now, and I'm just seeing dumb, stupid slapstick with nothing else there. Yes, Brendan Fraser is great, and there's that's kind of it. You yeah, know, but and, that's, I, that's and I dread cool. to think going back and watching George of the Jungle, for example, which is a film I, I loved comedy wise as a love. I, I think it's different when it comes to like adventure films and action films like Jurassic yeah. Park or Jumanji. You know, those films are still really quite cool. Yeah. You know, Jumanji, I, I think, is, is dark, a lot darker than people gave it credit for. Whereas, you know, and, and a lot cooler. But I think with comedies and stuff, I think. You know, your style of humor does change over through the years, and I think that the, the 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 sign of a good comedy or a great comedy, like Airplane, like Monty Python, you know, that and and like this Spinal, is Spinal Tap, Tap, is it doesn't matter when you're seeing them, they are still hilarious. The thing is, you have to think about the demographic. American Pie movies were made for teen- teenagers. We enjoyed them when we were teenagers. Now. We might be very, we might be siding with the father, and be quite embarrassed and embarrassing. Um, and I actually yeah. think, speaking of the father, played by you amazingly, by Eugene Levi. Have you seen Shit's Creek? I haven't. No. Apparently, I've seen a couple of episodes, and it's actually quite funny, and it's really well written. And it's on Netflix. Okay. Um, having said that. What have you got on for next week? So we we did war last week. Uh, we've done comedy this week. Uh, we're going back to war next week. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so we are doing our second David Lean film of the podcast. <gasps> I was um, hoping you would say that. The Bridge on the River Kwai yes. from 1957, starring the great Alec Guinness. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, we were talking POWs, um, and me being me, um, the only POW film that I've seen that isn't The Great Escape <laughs> is uh, Escape to Victory from 1981, directed by John Huston. Yes, that John Huston, um, which stars uh, Michael Caine, Sylvester Stallone, and Max von Sydow. Do you know anything about Escape to Victory, by nope. the way? Nope. Right, I'm not going to say anything else then because, yeah, uh, people who have seen the film know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, POWs German prison camp, um, whereas Bridge of River Kwai is POWs in a, in a Japanese prison camp. So um, yeah, I mean, Bridge of River Kwai came out in 1957. Escape and Vic- Escape to Victory came out in 1981. Both great act, uh, great directors. Um, John Huston, you know, Treasure of the Silver Marjorie and Maltese Falcon and I mean 
Yeah. You fucking know. I am I am funny. I am familiar with his work. The African no, Queen. I'm, Have I'm you just, seen the African yeah, Queen? Yeah. <laughs> um I haven't seen the African Queen, no. <gasps> oh my um, god. You know so yeah, so and then you know David David Lean being David Lean. Um so I'm so I happy think... that you had not seen this film because I, I, I'm going to be spending an hour and a half talking about how amazing Alec Guinness is. Well, if 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 anybody knows Escape to Victory and if anybody has seen my Twitter away from films, you'll know exactly what I'm gonna be talking about for an hour and a half. Um so yeah. I'm okay. waiting for waiting for Danny to either twig or yeah. No, I'm not twigging. So, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking no. about. Okay, right. I've... So, um... <laughs> Sorry. I have that's, no idea. That's... That is I next did... week. Okay. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that. That is next week. And in the meantime, um, Danny, where can where can our fine listeners find you on the internet? Um, You can find me on Twitter at Kinojo. Still no website. Still no website. Um, it's it's work in progress. Um, I'm having issues with my um, hosting sort of server thing, um, and I'm going to. I think I'm going to change um, hosting suppliers or whatever they call. Um, but yeah, stay tuned. Cool. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Nick S. Chandler. Uh, my website is superatomavision.com. Um, what am I kind of, what am I doing at the moment in terms of, I don't, I don't actually, what are you doing just with still your kind life, of, Nick? I don't know, I really don't know. <laughs> 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 what am I doing while I, um, no, I'm actually, I'm going to see, um, uh, Mad God, uh, which is Phil Tippett's much, uh, kind of worked on, he's been working on it for 30 years, this stop motion you know, uh, hor- it's a horror sci-fi film, but it-, it looks like an absolute trip. So I'm watching that tonight, and um, gonna catch up on on some Neon Genesis Evangelion rebuilds. So that will be probably my Twitter feed for the next few days. Cool. Um, and I'll probably talk about it more on the on the next episode. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of what I'm doing in my life at the moment. Um, uh, our, our Twitter for the podcast is at Keenotomic. Give us a follow on there. And our Gmail, as aforementioned by Danny, is uh, Keenotomic at gmail.com. Let us know what you think the greatest comedy of all time is. Um, That's easy. It's Life of Ryan. Uh, is it though? Yeah. Is it though? Yeah. Airplane. But, oh, no, it's Life of Ryan. It's Airplane. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> we're just gonna go into go into a fight now it's gonna be what is the greatest fo- yeah i mean it's, it's it is airplane um yeah so are you gonna pick american humor over british humor are you really gonna do that <sighs> but is airplane american humor i don't think yeah. it is i i yeah. i think it's i think it's very much akin to surrealist monty mm. python stuff than anything yeah, but anyway i, I prefer the originals we could, we could record a whole other episode mm. on comedies and what the greatest one of all time is. So I don't know, maybe that'll be a special episode one day. Um, so yeah, that that'll be that. Um, so with all that in mind, it's a goodbye and a thank you for listening from me. And a goodbye and a thank you for listening from me. Oh,
your cousins, with your family.